Hello and welcome back to Jake's World, episode 47 of Jake's World, presented by the Nuance Magazine. I'm your host, Jake Sawinski, and today is Tuesday, December 1st. Sounds weird. This shitty year's almost over. November went by really quick, but it typically does with the holidays, and you can attest to it as well as I. If you work an office job of any kind, it seems like November and December, there's really no work to be done anyways. It's like Halloween comes around and then everything just stops. But, ooh, shitty weekend for me. I know the bookie a little bit of money. That's not good. But we'll get into that. A lot of sports this weekend. Thanksgiving holiday. Low key, of course, with everything going on. But all in all, good few days off. It's good to get back in the swing of things, but sometimes you just need a breather. So let's get right into it. You can start with the old Turkey Day football. Um, who do we have? Lions, Texans. Dumpster fire, Cowboys, Redskins, excuse me, not Redskins, football team, dumpster fire. But um, Matt Patricia and the GM, I don't remember his name, he's bad, I'm not even going to look up his name, I think it's like, nah, I'm not even gonna, I don't even remember it, doesn't matter, he stinks. They were relieved of their duties after the game and it's about time. It's really, it's really bad when... Um, I saw some tweet that uh, Lions fans were like, um, yeah, we just fired Matt Patricia, and I'm ready to fire the next coach, too. I mean, I don't think the Lions have had a good coach in a really, really long time. If ever, maybe. I mean, who is there? Jim Caldwell? Jeff? No, I'm sorry. Jim Schwartz? I almost said Jeff Fisher. Jim Schwartz? Um... Patricia, I'm not sure. I think they're going to their... Uh, I'm not even sure who's picking up the tab for that, but it's not going to be good either way. But uh, ugh, Patricia stinks. I mean, it's... I'm not a Lions fan, of course, but it's kind of hard because I kind of like Matt Patricia. I have this weird thing where I like guys who look like they're just football guys, right? They're not necessarily good coaches, but... They're laughable people just because of their their antics or their um, their personas, the way they carry themselves, even the way they dress, right? Like Matt Patricia was classic football guy. Backwards hat with his headset, full beard, huge. Always like wore a rain jacket almost or a windbreaker. I imagine he wore cargo pants of some kind. And the pencil in his ear. I fucking love the pencil in his ear. That was classic. But he reminds me of those other coaches that carry themselves in the same way. Like Mike Vrabel, huge football guy. Um, Mike McCarthy, the big dum-dum, but a football guy. Like nice fake punt on your own 27 down a score in the fourth quarter. With like 12 minutes left, you big dummy. But, um... I love those kind of guys. Jeff Fisher, Mike Vrabel, Mike McCarthy. Um, 
Bruce Arians. Just goofy dudes, but they're just they're not even necessarily good coaches. They're just so clearly into football and it's awesome. I fucking love it. But he got let go. I mean, it's about time. He never really got it going there. He wasn't a great game manager by any stretch of the imagination. The GM didn't do a very good job, clearly, in the last 10 years. I mean, look at the way the Detroit Lions have wasted Matt Stafford's career. Matt Stafford is a top 10 quarterback in the NFL still. And he's had like such an underrated career or overlooked career because of the way that that organization has set up their roster, right? I mean, when's the last time they've had a really, really good running back? Like right now they have a trio. Um, I think it's DeAndre Swift. He's pretty good. Um, Adrian Peterson, super old now, I mean, for a running back. Not Frank Gore old, but he's getting up there in age. And on Johnson was pretty good last year, and he's like not even worked into the offense for whatever reason. Maybe it's because he's not good, but he was pretty solid last year. Um, they had wide, capable wide receivers. I mean, Marvin Jones Jr. was pretty good. Kenny Galladay's been hurt a lot this season, even though there's really no reason for him to play. They they stink. Um, but I mean, they just don't really have anyone. They had Golden Tate. Um, trying to think. I mean, that's really about it. They didn't have a ton of guys to really work with. They don't have an offensive line. They never did. And Stafford still goes out there and balls. I mean, I saw some clip today about Calvin Johnson just because DK Metcalf's on an unprecedented tear so far this season. And, like, oh, my God, Calvin Johnson was good. And it's, like, that's the last time the Lions were, like, relevant in any way, shape, or form. And it's just sad because, like, Stafford's really good. But Detroit's going a different direction. I can't imagine they're going to keep Stafford around much longer either. I think it's time to just hit reset there. But it's weird. They're strangely competitive but never win. They're like the Chargers, right? The Chargers are bad, and yet they still find a way to lose one-score games every week. Except this week. Anthony Lynn is a big dumb-dumb, too. I'll get into that in a little bit. I'm kind of just going day by day. Um, Friday, college football. Parlays didn't hit this weekend. None of them. Bad weekend. Did hit a basketball parlay Wednesday night. That kind of made the pain a little easier. So, but... Still, just yick, yicky. Saturday, same thing. Uh, oh, didn't mention uh, the Oregon-Oregon State game was pretty crazy. Friday night, um, Oregon State were, what, 15-point underdogs. They won. The fog game was super foggy. It was kind of cool. It's an eerie game. But um, um, I had a couple of storylines I really wanted to mention here. Oh, okay. A little bit of a continuation for uh, my rant about Northwestern. Fuck Northwestern. I hate Northwestern so much. Stupid. They lose to Michigan State. They got bullied all game, too. They end up losing 29 to 20. Or, yeah, 29 20 or 29 22, some stupid score. 
That was stupid. That's going to be your team who probably makes it out of the Big Ten West unless they have a monumental collapse. I don't even think Wisconsin's eligible to make it to the championship game because their game against Minnesota was canceled this last week. Um, I mean, sticking with the top four in the college football playoff, Alabama rolled Auburn. Um, Northwestern was eight. Um, Notre Dame... They handled or they beat North Carolina by two touchdowns. I think it was thirty-one seventeen. Clemson destroyed Pitt like they should, covered a twenty-five point spread. And who's number four? Ohio State. They who'd they play? Oh, they didn't play. That game got postponed as well. They were supposed to play Illinois. That game didn't happen. The COVID thing is really strange in college football just because it's like you have all these rules with the conference championships and where they're playing and how they get seeded. And it's like you have a Ohio State team ranked fourth who's played four games or five games. And then you've got um, Notre Dame and Clemson who've played eight games and then Alabama's played eight games. So it's really strange. I wouldn't want to be on the committee this year just because it's like Everybody knows who the best four teams in the country are, and they're currently ranked the way they should be. Like, I, I mean, is Clemson a better team than Notre Dame? Probably. I mean, I'd almost say certainly. It's just you had to play Notre Dame when your probable number one overall pick is out because of COVID. Right, and it's just so strange because every conference or every uh, yeah, every conference is different. Right, Big Ten implemented a twenty-one day um, quarantine, I guess, or you had to sit out twenty-one days. SEC, it's like you gotta have three negative tests in a row. I think the ACC similar. It's just strange. College football is so weird this year, and it's like I don't, I wouldn't want to be on that committee. I mean, ultimately, it's the top four that matter, of course. This week, yeah, I'm reading it right now. The order didn't change there. Georgia got bumped up to eighth. I'm not sure where everyone else is. I've got the basketball game on, and I kind of I missed it. Iowa State's number nine, whatever. I mean, those, those fringe teams aren't going to make it because outside, no one's going to lose in that top four. I think the order's going to stay really similar there, but... It's just strange, right? And I don't know. I really wish they would do something a little bit different. I mean, I think the college football playoff, when they started that in 20, what was it, 2015? It's like the sixth season they've done it. I think they narrowed down a good way to find out the best four teams in the country every season, right? It's just a shame because it's always the same four teams aside of one team in there. It's like the three best teams and then another. The four seed always seems to be determined by whoever gets that big win that they need down the stretch. I mean, you're never going to penalize Alabama for you know, dropping a weird road game some fluke game like they're never gonna lose a bad enough game to fall out of the top four same thing with Clemson 
Notre Dame's up there, which is strange. But, I mean, they're getting a little bit of respect because they're actually playing a conference schedule. They're not playing, you know, their typical crossover games like they do every year. They'll play Syracuse. They'll play Pitt. They'll play Army and Navy and USC. And they don't, they're not doing those games this year. They're playing an actual schedule. But I, I wish they'd expand it to eight teams. And uh, this is by no means like a unique take. I mean, there's so many people have been saying like we should expand that playoff, throw in an extra game. I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with money, just because those bowl games are all sponsored, and the NCAA gets you know a big cut of that for having those bowl games played. The more bowl games they play, the more money they get. But it's like, I feel like you'd get so mu- a, such a bigger bump with the TV ratings and the commercials that come with it if you had an extra week of high-profile games. Expand the playoff to eight teams. Make number one Alabama have to play an extra game with an eight seed. I mean, the result might not change, but... I mean, at least you open the field up for potential that not every team is going to make the college football playoff or the championship game every single season. I mean, aside from last season when it was LSU and Clemson, it's been Alabama and Clemson. And I think the first year was like Ohio State and Alabama. It's, it's like it's the same. It's the same four teams. And I feel like that's a little annoying. I mean, like I said, they did find out a way to get the best four teams in there every year, most times. Because, I mean, if, you know, number one, Alabama slips up against Auburn in 2011, like that, the kick six or whenever that was, 2012, in the Iron Bowl, it's like that might throw off who gets, you know, one or two. But... I don't know. It's just I feel like it's not a perfect system, and I think they can do a better job of, you know, making your um, even your conference championship games a little more um, uniform, right? Each Power 5 conference does it a little bit differently. Um, SEC, ACC, and Big 10 all have split conferences, and the Big 12 doesn't do that, I don't think. I think the Big 12 just does the top two teams in the conference play again, a.k.a. Oklahoma and Iowa State probably, or Texas A&M, or um, um, Texas. I mean, those are the three teams that are typically always in it. I mean, most years it's... and it's um, I think the last few years it's been Oklahoma and Iowa State, but it's just, I don't know. I feel like the uniformity would definitely help, but uh, I mean, college football seems so weird this year, and it's super, super strange. Um, Some coaching things with them. I hate Dabo Swinney. I don't know if that's a unique unique take either. I I feel like he's a little more liked than I give him credit for, but I mean, he's got this chip on his shoulder, right? And especially with the strange season, I mean, last week he made some comments about how Florida State didn't want to play Clemson and they canceled their game because of COVID due to the fact that they didn't want to play Clemson. It's like, well, Florida State canceled their game this week and 
It's like, why do you have a chip on your shoulder? Right? Like, you know you're, if not the best, the second best program in the country. You're a respected coach. Why do you have this chip on your shoulder? Does it get your guys fired up a little bit more every week? Does it, you know, are you trying to, I don't know, give yourself credibility? I don't understand it. Maybe I'm missing something really obvious there, but I just don't like that. It's like Saban doesn't go out there and act like that. I mean, Saban is Nick Saban is Nick Saban, right? He's a superhuman. He's a machine, no emotions, laser focus all the time. Doesn't care about the score. He he wants perfection. Why he Swinney can do that too, right? And Urban Meyer's gone. There's no other coaches in the country who are like those two they're they're so far above the rest of the playing field it's like you don't need a chip on your shoulder your program's not overlooked oh they're ranked number two and you think they should be number one like it doesn't matter how many times has Alabama made the playoff at a three seed right like it just doesn't make sense to me I don't understand it here's another one too it's like Jim Harbaugh Oh, man, you are so fired. (laughs) I don't think they'll fire him in the middle of the season. I think he's got another year on his contract or he's got an option, but he's not getting that. He's so done. That team has underachieved so much since he got hired. Like, they've never been able to win the big game, right? Even when they were pretty good the first two three years he was there I mean the last two years he's had some issues with the recruiting and even the game calling I mean clearly they're what two and four or one and three one and four something like that it's like oh I like Harbaugh too so it like pains me to say it's like oh he's so gone though like it's unbelievable how how stinky they've been (laughs) Like, you lose to Penn State. Penn State's 0-4 for the first time ever to start a season. And then you just, like, it's one of the most accomplished programs in NCAA history. And you're not even fielding a competitive team anymore. Like, I think Michigan's definitely going to go a different direction. And it's like, they've just never been able to get over that hump every year they got to play Ohio State to win that side of the division or that side of the conference and they never show up I mean Ohio State's good yeah but like most of the time it's not even competitive he they they've never been able to win the big game and now they're really not able to win any games so I mean (laughs) props to Rutgers in Maryland I mean they're trying to finally Earning their Big Ten status, I suppose they're trying. They're su- they're succeeding. They're not losing every game ever. Um, I don't know. College football is so strange, and like I said, I just wish it. It's so redundant with the college football playoff, and it'd be nice if they would change that format up a little bit. But on the NFL stuff, I mean, slate was better at least, not for my wallet, but it was better. It's Derrick Henry season, that's for damn sure. I think I watched 
bits and pieces of every game thanks to Red Zone. Red Zone's incredible. It's like just orb of confusion for your brain. Just <laughs> watching football. You veg out on the couch watching football. It's so fucking awesome. But Titans rolled the Colts and ran all over them. And that was like your best run defense in the league. Made them look silly. Think Derrick Henry, he's on my fantasy team, of course. He had like 180 yards, three touchdowns, a couple of catches. Could have been four. They did a little um, little option, and Tannehill ended up running it in, but it could have easily been four touchdowns. And just look out for the Titans. They can, if they can do some things defensively, they're going to go to the conference championship game. Just look out. Look out for the Titans. Um, trying to think of the fringe teams a little bit more. The teams that are kind of in the hunt just with um, the way the divisions are lining up. Because Chiefs beat the Buccaneers. The AFC West is a lock. Um, you'd have to imagine the Titans are going to win the AFC South. I mean... They split with the Colts. I mean, the Colts have to play the Texans twice and the Jaguar, uh, Jacksonville one more time. But you'd have to imagine that they end up winning that. I mean, they got it. They're game up. I don't think the Titans' schedule is too bad the rest of the way out. I know they play Green Bay week 16. But I think they have to play Jacksonville one more time. They might have to play Houston again. So... We'll see how that one shapes out. Um, AFC North, that's that's going to be Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh might have even clinched. Well, no, Cleveland's 8-3. and three. I think Baltimore's 7-4 and four or 7-3. Um, that, that one's not locked up yet. I mean, I don't see Pittsburgh dropping five in a row or um, six in a row. So, you'd imagine Pittsburgh wins that one. Then the AFC East is a little more wide open. you got to like the Bills, but, I mean, Miami's not playing bad either. I mean, Tua got hurt. I said they shouldn't have gone to Tua in the first place, and that kind of looks to be the case. He was terrible against Denver. Um, and Fitzpatrick had to play against the Jets Sunday. So, I mean, they won 20-3 to or 23-3. to so, I mean, that, one, that one's open yet. But, I mean, those those fringe teams, I mean, the Colts are probably going to lock up a wild card spot. Um, you'd have to imagine, at this rate, I think it's going to be Cleveland that locks up another wild card spot. And then that last spot's open. I mean, you have the Raiders, who got pummeled, absolutely trounced by the Falcons. That was a big surprise. Um, Chiefs, or the... Browns played close with the Jaguars, so they ended up winning. Um, the Dolphins are in the mix, or uh, honestly, the second the runner-up in the AFC East is in the mix. I, I mean, I imagine it'd be Buffalo that wins that. They're eight and three, and then my uh, yeah, Miami's seven and four. New England's out of it. Um, Jets are obviously out of it. Um, everyone else is out of it in their respective divisions. I mean, the Chargers and the Broncos have, what, six combined wins? Broncos couldn't feel the quarterback. 
That was fucking crazy. I'll get into that a little bit more in a minute. But then you flip the script to the NFC. I mean, I think Green Bay is probably a lock for the the division up there in the north, the NFC North. The Vikings ended up winning a close game against the Panthers. Uh, the Bears got pummeled on Sunday Night Football, and then the Lions are just the Lions. But they're in the hunt. The uh, Vikings and Bears are both in the hunt. I mean, I think the Bears are 5-7? and seven? Yeah, 5-7, five and 5-6. Five and six. I think the Vikings are five and six, five and seven. They might be six and six. I'm not. I, I the records aren't. It's so weird with some teams having the buy still and some other teams not. And I didn't look at the records exactly. And I'm if I don't write them down, I'm not gonna remember all of them. I mean, I think my brain's pretty big sometimes, but not all the time. Um, NFC West. That one's open. That one's really open. Though that's such a strange conference too, because they're kind of like the, they're almost like the NFC East, except they're all kind of good, where in the NFC East they're all really bad, right? Um, the Seahawks are up; they're in first, I believe. They're eight and three or seven and four. The Rams just lost to the Forty ers The Cardinals lost to the Patriots, and that one's open. I mean, that one depends. That all depends on how they go down the stretch. I mean, you'd have to like the Rams just because um, that defense is typically very good. I mean, they struggle to stop the run. But the 49ers are well coached. Shanahan's a great coach. And they have a lot of guys who are able to run the ball. Um, Jeff Wilson, senior, or junior, senior? I don't even know. That Jeff Wilson guy's pretty good. They got him back. Um, he Mostert. Uh, they had another guy running the ball too. Um, Debo Samuel's back. I mean, Kittle and Garoppolo are out, of course, and they're pretty limited with Nick Mullins. But I mean, they play good team football. Their defense is pretty stingy too. They had Richard Sherman back, and they were able to upset the Rams at home or on the road in L.A. Um, Seahawks played Monday Night Football. They didn't look great. I mean, they didn't look great defense. They didn't look great offensively. Their defense was passable. It looks a lot better. I mean, it's not a tough test playing against the Eagles. The Eagles are hot garbage, but that offense looked. They were stymied a little bit. I mean, Philly plays gritty football, and I mean, maybe that's a fluke for that offense. But I don't know. They you get some defense on there and some pass rushing and you make Russell Wilson have to use his legs he's able to it's just sometimes those guys aren't open he doesn't have enough time when he is forced out of the pocket so NFC West is wide open the NFC East it's the same thing it's just they're all really bad it's the same story right um after Dallas beat Minnesota last week or week prior to Thanksgiving, you thought, hey, maybe it's not really over for them. Maybe they do have a chance of winning that division. And they lost to Washington handily. And right now, it's probably Washington's division. Well, see, you can't even say it's a team's division to win. They're, they're all so bad and all so close. I mean, the Eagles are 3-7-1. and one. I think the Giants, Washington, and... 
the Cowboys are all four and seven or three and eight. I think Dallas is three and eight, but it's like, oh, yucky, just yucky football. But that one's wide open. And then the NFC South, that looks like it's going to be the Saints. I mean, depending on how the rest of that schedule goes, we'll see. I mean, if it's a tie, it's going to go to the Saints. And then the Bucks will be in second place. Atlanta's probably out of it already. And uh, who's the other team in there? The Panthers are definitely out of it. But um, it's... It seems like the Saints haven't really missed a beat without Drew Brees. They're putting up points. I mean, they haven't had two. They played two cupcake games, essentially. But that defense is coming alive. I mean, it's hard not to when you don't have a quarterback. Last week, but Atlanta has weapons. They allowed nine points. The offense is putting up points. I think they had 24 or 27 against Atlanta, and they had 34 last week against Denver. Denver is not a pushover defense. It was a road game. They ended up scoring 34 with a huge running attack. I think there were like 80, 81 combined passing yards or 83 combined passing yards in that game. But you imagine the Saints have to win and the Bucks get that wild card spot. But who knows? It's pretty open. I mean, you'd have to assume the, the Bucks will get a wild card spot. The runner-up in the NFC West will get a wild card spot or two. And then it depends on how the Bears and the Vikings finish up in the north, and that's probably going to be it. So, I mean, it's wide open yet, and there's a lot a lot of football to be had, and we'll see what happens on the stretch. Um, now, I would like to address the crazy COVID situation that happened after I talk about Tom Brady a little bit. Tom Brady is washed. Jake, what do you mean? There's... They're like seven and four. They trounced your Packers. Yeah. Well, it's no thanks to Tom Brady. Have you watched any of the games? Dude, he's washed. He's, he's, I'm pretty critical of Tom Brady anyways, just because he's made a career of, you know, checking down and doing cross routes and short passes, and he's never been a deep ball thrower. Those are that throwing the ball 20 yards down the field isn't his strength. It never has been, and nothing's miraculously going to change. But Bruce Arians needs to adjust to that if they want to have any success. If they manage to work their offense a little differently, look out. Because Tom Brady will check you down to death. Pass after pass after pass, six yards, eight yards, ten yards, six yards, eight yards, seven yards, all over, all day. Like, and there's no excuse for them to struggle to put up points. I mean, 24 is not a terrible game, but I mean, Kansas City just, I mean, they lost to Oakland week five or week six. They gave up like 40 points. And then you made Derek Carr look like a specimen the week prior to this one. It's like you got to figure something out. That defense is typically pretty good, but when they're constantly on the field, they're not going to be good. That's just how it works. It's the same thing with the Bears. They don't have an offense. That defense kind of gets um, it gets taken out of the picture. They're gas when they're on the field for 35 of the 60 minutes of the game or 40 minutes of the 60-minute game. Like, What do you expect? If you Brady did look better in the second half, mind you, but... 
don't throw the ball down the field. You got to change that up. He he's like 0 for 17 this season, or maybe it was yeah. This could be even more. Maybe it was just the yesterday's or Jesus Sunday night's game. He didn't he didn't complete he completed one pass over 20 yards on a ball that was thrown 20 yards down the field. I mean Jones had a touchdown catch of 37 yards, but that was a pass to the flats. He can't do it. I, I, I don't know if it's accuracy. It definitely looks like accuracy when I watch the games because, I mean, half the time he throws the ball and the safety picks it off and it's 10 yards away from the receiver who's trying to throw it to. But, like, there's no reason for them not to be the best offense in the league. You have Mike Evans, you have Chris Godwin, and you just signed Antonio Brown. You have Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones in the backfield. You have Gronk. You have Cameron Braid, who's not a slouch tight end. He's he's pretty good. O.J. Howard's hurt, but he's pretty good too. Like Tom Brady has all he needs there to succeed, and they haven't. They've been successful, yeah, but it's just like they haven't been that dominant team everyone expected them to be, and it's just it's almost like a coulda, shoulda, woulda thing. It's just, it's frustrating because I mean, is. Irritating is like the sports media can be with Tom Brady. I mean, it's like the popular thing to call him washed. But he appears to be. But I don't think it's entirely his fault either. So, then the last thing with the NFL, the COVID situation. This is bonkers to me too. Like, it's totally about money. Oh, Bears are five and six. Found it. So are the Vikings. Um, it's totally about money. It has to be. Why? I know the Denver quarterbacks did not follow protocol when they all got popped for their contact tracing with their positive test. I don't believe they were wearing masks in their quarterback meeting. And it would make sense to have them um, have some repercussions of that. But you shouldn't totally strap them from even playing that game. Like, is it likely they would have won that game? No. You can't say impossible because there's always a chance. But give them a chance. Don't make them sign or don't make them elevate Kendall Hilton from the practice squad who was like a wide receiver at Wake Forest how many years ago who's completed like two passes in his college career and he's a practice squad guy. Don't make them do that. They can't sign anybody because if a new free agent has to have a seven-day quarantine, but let them activate somebody who's actually able to play the position. Like I know um, they tried to see if one of their coaches could suit up like I don't know if he's had NFL experience, but he knows the offense and he runs the scout team. Why not? They're not going to win anyways, but at least give him a shot to. And it's like, then you look at the other things they're pulling off with the scheduling. The Ravens have had 18, or like I think it's up to 20 now, positive tests since last Monday. Or uh, 10 days ago. Lamar Jackson has it. Willie Sneed has it. Bunch of the linemen have it. Um, J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram have it. And then you're playing around with the scheduling. Oh, that we'll just keep pushing it back, pushing it back, pushing it back. 
and the Steelers aren't very happy about it because I think they had their like one of their first positive tests in James Conner over the weekend, and they have to wait and wait and wait. It's like I don't understand. I know it's one of the most storied rivalries in the NFL. I mean, aside from um, probably Chicago and Green Bay or Green Bay, Minnesota or Cincinnati, Cleveland. It's like it, there's a rivalry thing there and the Steelers-Ravens are one of the best rivalries in, in pro or college sports, but it's like you have to draw the line somewhere. Like, I'm not sure why all these positive cases are coming up, but, I mean, the Titans had their problems early on with following protocol, but that seems to have settled down, and that was a scheduling nightmare for Pittsburgh and, you know, a couple of other teams that were affected by it. But that's not a problem anymore, and it wasn't that bad for Tennessee all at once. It didn't snowball like that immediately. Why does Baltimore get to keep pushing the game back, pushing the game back? You should make them play. Clearly, the protocols weren't being followed, whether it was on-site or off-site. It doesn't matter. that You have 52 or 53 guys on an active roster, and a third of your roster has it. Something isn't right there. And, you know, it, the NFL seems to be picking and choosing what teams they want to let go or, you know, let play as is or push things back. It's like you can't do that. You're messing around with everybody else, too. I mean, do you really think that uh, Pittsburgh wants to play on a Wednesday and turn around on a Monday? It doesn't matter if the day's rests are there. It's all about practice and scheduling and flights and you know, just the weirdness of that irregularity in your schedule, it's going to throw off your game. They should be pissed about that. They should have played Sunday, or at very worst, Monday. Oh, but we don't want to have two Monday night games. You did it just fine when New England had their problems. You had two Monday night games. Yeah. Um, I think it was Kansas City-Buffalo had to play an earlier Monday night game. Um, there's another one in there, too. Um um, who did Pittsburgh have to play without Cam Newton? Yeah, the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs were impacted by it twice. It's like, that's not fair. Like, what? Like why? It, it's got to be for money with the TV deals or whatever. Or I don't know. The NFL is so fucking weird the way they handle things. But it's like this thing would be so much more streamlined if you gave everybody the same courtesies you're giving to the higher profile teams or you made them say tough it out like they did to Denver. Like you can't play both sides of the fence. You got you to gotta be consistent no matter what the results are. I mean it's a miracle you're able to play the season anyways. I think for the most part they're doing an okay job of handling you know, the potential exposures, but you got to be, no matter what, you got to be consistent. You can't play both sides of the fence. But, uh, I rest my case. Oh, and fuck bird teams. Seahawks, Ravens, Cardinals, Eagles, Falcons, fuck them. They suck the bet on. They always make you lose. I'm sure I'm missing a bird team in there, too. Yeah, Seahawks, Cardinals, Ravens, Falcons, 
and uh, yeah, I think that's it. I thought I said one extra one, but eagles. There you go. Fuck them. I hate birds. They make me lose money. But um, that pretty much concludes it for the sports stuff. Um, saw that weird monolith story the other day, and uh, Steven Spielberg, if you're listening, do some Indiana Jones movie before Harrison Ford doesn't act anymore about um the mega monolith, like Indiana Jones and the fuck I don't know the the monolith heist. I don't know, like there is this statue-esque thing in the middle of the Utah desert that was discovered or found like what I think it said November 18th I just saw about it yesterday because the thing disappeared and like there's some conspiracy theory about some artist like um I don't know some artist like talked about it with his kid and then all of a sudden this thing appears in the desert looks like a Something from 2001, A Space Odyssey, the Stanley Kubrick movie. I don't fucking know. I like conspiracy theories. I might become a conspiracy theory podcast, but uh, I'm talking about monoliths this time to end the show. Um, yeah, that about does it. Um, really like talking about the sports, but like I said last week, if you guys have any ideas for me to break it up or... Um, talk about other things, go different directions, bring people on, let me know. I want the feedback, good or bad. Can't do the same thing over and over and expect a different result, right? So definitely, if there's something I can do or something I'm doing well and should continue doing, please don't hesitate to let me know. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at jakesawinski 8 That's at J-A-K-E-S-A-W-I-N-S-K-I-8. Um, rate, review, subscribe, of course. Let's keep the show growing steadily. It's been growing, but it's slow. So I'd like to see those go up. I'd like to see some more engagement, and I'd like some ideas about how I can make it a little better, too. So, oh, Sarah Fuller's kicking again for Vanderbilt. Um, that was a cool story, and uh, the guys that uh, <laughs> made fun of her squib kick, um, I mean, I'm not trying to sound like a misogynist or anything, but um, you don't kick a squib in the second half for kickoff ever. They didn't score, so she only kicked once, but you don't kick a squib to start a half. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if that's mean. I don't hate women. I think it's really cool that she got to play. I know Vanderbilt doesn't have a men's soccer team. I mean, it's cool. She looked fine in warm-ups and stuff, but it's like you don't kick a squib on you just don't. Why the hell would you kick a squib to start the half? Like, don't defend it. Like, just say, yeah, it wasn't a good kick. It's okay. I mean, no one's saying. Well, some people are, but I'm not saying it wasn't a cool story. But the kick stunk. I'm sorry. But she is kicking next week, so maybe she'll actually get a chance to hit a fucking boomer from the hash mark. So, have a good week, guys. Talk to you next time. Peace. Side, the New York Times side, staying alive was no job. Had second hands, moms bounced on old men. So then we moved.
the Shaolin land. A young youth, you're rocking the go-to. Low goose, only way I begin the G-O was drug loot.